I'm going to talk about forgiveness today under the same uh, title series, The Foundation of Truth. And before I, I continue, I'm just going to give a brief recap of what we talked about last week. And then I will dovetail into today's message on forgiveness. All right, so the main focus, as I said in this series, is concerning the social unrest because of racism and how we who are in Christ, how we must live. It's not an option. It's just the way we have to live if we are in Christ, if we believe in Jesus Christ. And the last time I defined the word racism, and I like to define things so that we understand the true meaning and it's and in the context and its application, so we have an under, total understanding of what it is we're talking about. So I define racism as prejudice, discrimination, or antagonism directed against a person or people on the basis of their membership of a particular ra- uh, racial or ethnic group, typically one that is a minority or marginal, marginalized. And we were in the book of John, chapter 4, and the story that we I looked at was with the, Jesus and the Samaritan woman and the Samaritans when he and the disciples went through Samaria to get to Galilee. And I gave a little backdrop of the relationship between the Jews and the Samaritans. And the Jews considered themselves as pure descendants of Abraham and hated Samaritans because they were considered impure. They were mixed race people. So the Jews who were purebred, they were racist or they, or they treated the Samaritans as second-class citizens. They really didn't want, have, want to have anything to do with them. And Jesus and his disciples were on their way to Galilee, as I said before, and they took the route through Samaria. Now the encounter Jesus had with the Samaritan woman was no accident. He had an appointment with her. She didn't know she had the appointment, but he knew because he, had le- he was led by the Spirit to go through Samaria to, to, meet, to be at the well at noon. And that's when that woman typically will come out to fetch water. So he started a conversation with this woman knowing about the social issues between the Jews and the Samaritans. His focus in the conversation with this woman and subsequently was focused on her and his purpose. He wasn't concerned about the social issues. He wasn't concerned about the the typical things that would bog people down from having a relationship with each other. Jesus was focused on his purpose. He was focused on the woman. So he kept a conversation about her and what he had to offer, never about the social issues. So the disciples' reaction when they saw him speaking to the woman, their reaction and their thoughts were based on natural things and social things. And that's how a lot of us relate to things that are happening in the world right now. Based on our emotions, based on our feelings, we react to, to social things and we react to like the racism that's going on, the, the unrest, the, social, the injustice, uh, political you know, stands, stands. We react to those things, which is normal. I mean, we're living in this world. But the, underst- the understanding, what we have to remember is that we're not al- supposed to allow these things to affect and distract us from our purpose as being children of God. So what happened afterwards, 
when the woman left and uh, she went to tell her friends about her encounter with this Jewish man, Jesus at the well, the Samaritans received Jesus and he spent a couple more days with them. So that was interesting because of the considering the, the climate between the Jews and the Samaritans back in those days, it was interesting that this Jewish man was, in, was allowed and the Samaritans wanted him to spend time, more time with them. And again, the focus on, in this whole story was on Jesus' purpose. That was his focus, on why he was there. And what was happening, because he was there, and the reason why he was there, to express and extend the love of God to a people who were marginalized and considered inferior. The impact was to reconcile them to God. And that's how we came to Christ, because we heard something or someone spoke to us, and because of the words that were received, now we have given our life to Christ. That is the whole point of being reconciled to God. And that's how our lifestyle is supposed to reflect on others. Okay? As I said, God doesn't care about what people think. He doesn't care about people's hang-up. His focus is on setting people free from sin and reconciling them to himself. Jesus did not allow himself to get caught up with the social issues and the biases of the time. He was not troubled about race issues. He was about saving those who were lost. God doesn't care about the outward appearance, but the heart. The way you change somebody's life, the way you deal with the social issues, if you change the person's heart, then the outflowing of that, you deal with the root cause of the social issues. But the change has to take place internally. And that's what Jesus was about, changing people's hearts and minds. And once you do that, the outcome of it is what you want to see people getting along. So we must have the same mind as Jesus had and not get, it, get distracted by all the drama and we have to be Christ-centered. We are here to show the love of God by sharing the good news of Jesus Christ so that people can be reconciled to God. Race is not an issue. Race does not matter for God. The Samaritans were able to receive Jesus because he did not judge them. He accepted them as they were and he showed respect. And they trusted him. They trusted him because they wanted him to spend more time with them. So that's just evident of his relationship and the, and the brief encounter he had with them and the, the, the conversation they had with them. It showed that how much they trusted him that they wanted him to spend more time with them. That is the way we should treat each other and the people in the world. It is never about race. The love of God requires us to walk in humility to meet people where they are and not try to act superior or intelligent. We are not to judge people. We are not called to be judges. But to accept people as they are. We must show respect and be genuine so that they will be willing to open up to receive the love of God. That's the only way people can receive anything that you have to say. You have to accept them as they are and meet them where they are. Have a heart of humility and be genuine. When people know and get a feeling that you're not, a, not trying to, to manipulate or, or cheat, when they realize that you're transparent, you're open, and what you have a track record of honesty and integrity, it's easier for people to listen to you and it's easier to reach people because they know you can be trusted. And that is very important. 
We must be people of our word. Today I'm going to continue in the series, The Foundation of Truth, and I want to speak about forgiveness. So I'll talk today and this week and next week about forgiveness. And I would like us to turn to the book of Acts chapter 10. There's going to be a lot of reading again because to understand the lesson, you have to understand the context and all the players and, and what is happening so that you understand, so you get the understanding of the lesson. So as you are turning to, to the book of Acts chapter 10, I'm going to define another word, which is bias. And the word bias is defined as prejudice in favor of or against one thing, person or group compared with another, usually in a way considered to be unfair. So I hope you're at Acts chapter 10, and I'm going to start reading from verse 11. And just follow me through. It's a lot of reading, but just follow, and you will get the gist of it. Okay, I'm going to start reading Acts chapter 10, verse 11. So before I start, let me just tell you, let me set the scene so you understand. So we're looking at Peter. He was, he was about to be taught an important lesson about himself and the character and purpose of God. But he was biased, prejudiced, and he didn't know it. And there's something that the Lord needed him to do. But for, the, for him to be able to effectively do what the Lord wanted him to do, the Lord had to do, prepare him beforehand. And I'm going to show you what it is. So there was a Gentile who feared or reverenced God and always prayed to God. His name was Cornelius. He was a centurion. And if you know, a centurion is a, a leader in the Roman army. They lead garrisons of men. They're responsible for the training and so forth of these men. One evening he had a vision of an angel who came to him and gave him instructions to send men to a place called Joppa to find Peter. This man Peter, he, the angel said to him, is going to tell you what you need to do. So Cornelius was praying to God. He feared God. He, was, he reverenced God. But the angel visited him in a vision and said, I need you to send people to, to a place called Joppa to find a guy named Peter. And he, this guy Peter is going to tell you what you need to do. That's all the angel told him. So the angel, after he left Cornelius, Cornelius sent messengers to find Peter. So the next day, the messengers were on their way to find Peter. Cornelius has no idea what Peter has to say to him. All he knew, the angel told him, send, go find Peter. This is where he is. This is where you'll find him. This is the house where you'll find him. So he sent messengers the next day to find Peter. And Peter now, that next day, as the messengers were, were coming towards where they were directed, Peter was on the roof praying. And he ha was also had a vision. While he was pr praying, Peter had a vision. And now we're going to pick it up in Acts chapter 10, verse 11. So verse 11 in Acts chapter 10 says, I'm going to start reading now. Saw heaven open and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners descending to him and let down to the earth. Now this is what Peter has seen in the vision. Verse 12. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord. 
for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. Verse 15, And a voice spoke to him again the second time, What God has cleansed, you must not call common. Okay, I'm going to stop there. So while Peter now, he had this vision, and Peter now is thinking, what does this thing mean? What is this vision? What does it mean? So while he's pondering, the men sent by Cornelius, they were now came at the gate and they were asking for Peter. So now we're going to pick it up in verse 19. So verse 19, so while Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise therefore, go down, and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Verse 21. Then Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, Yes, I am he whom you seek. For what reason have you come? Verse 22. And they said, Cornelius, the centurion, who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nations, nation of the Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear words from you. Verse 23. Then he invited them in and lodged them. On the next day, Peter went away with them, and some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. So the next day, Peter and a couple of the brethren went with the messengers. Now they're going to Cornelius' house. Notice, Peter doesn't know why he's going. Cornelius doesn't know why he's coming. Now verse 24. And the following day they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I myself am also a man. Now, I thought that was a very powerful statement. I'm not going to spend time in that. But the way Peter greeted him, and if you know the, the racial relationship between Jews and Gentiles, Peter said to him, I myself am also a man. Verse 27, And he talked with him. He went in and found many who had come together. Then he said to them, You know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company or go to one of another nation? But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. I asked them, for what reason have you sent for me? So now Peter is getting, got the understanding of what the vision he had on the roof. This is what the Lord has, was showing him. And there's a reason for that. Peter was still has the mentality of the being under the law. Because when Jesus was alive, they were still under the law. And according to the law, you couldn't eat the, the things that were coming on in the sheet. The type of animals was unlawful to eat. That's why Peter said, No, Lord, I can't eat those things. I've never, he said, I, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. If you un, were under the law, that was unclean or common. You weren't allowed to eat it. But what was different between that time and now? Jesus 
died, resurrected, and now is seated at the right hand of the Father. As, he, as that was accomplished, the law was done away with. The law was not applicable to their lives anymore. But Peter did not have that understanding. They were now under a new covenant. The vision and where the Lord took Peter to Cornelius' house is showing him now the plan of God and the way they are to conduct themselves under this new covenant. I don't have time to go into that. But this is something I just want to show you. Because Peter's bias was based on his upbringing and what he knew under the law. But that was not applicable anymore. Okay, so he's, he's learning now. that The way he has to think is different. And he saw it when he said here in verse 28, and he was very open with them saying it, it was, it's unlawful for a Jew to come into the house of a Gentile. But he said, God show me something. I should not call any man common or unclean. So now he had a, a new understanding of, some, of something about being in Christ. So he says, what the Lord plans, we must not call common. What the Lord has sanctified, we have no right to say anything different. The Lord had to prepare Peter for what Peter needed to do. This was an encounter that, that changed his heart and his mindset. It changed the way he was, think, he was thinking. And what was admirable about Peter is that he did not understand the vision, but he obeyed the Spirit. And that is something we all have to remember to do. We may not understand what the Lord wants us to do, but it's important that we obey when we know we are being directed to do something. It's important to obey because later on you will get the understanding. But just make sure it's the Lord that's directing you. So what I liked also in this is that verse 26, Peter said, I am also a man. Just like you, Cornelius. I am a man just like you. So you saw Peter's no, attitude starting to shift. How he looked at Cornelius the Gentile as a man just like him. Okay, so what, I, what was good is that Peter was honest about his bias because he said here in verse 28, it's unlawful for a Jewish man to keep company with Gentiles. Well, he said with people of another nation. And he was very honest with it. But he said it in a way which Cornelius was able to understand and receive it, but didn't hold it against him. Because Peter was being very transparent, very open about his bias. But then he said, the Lord showed me that I must not call anything that sanctified, call it common or unclean. After that encounter, Cornelius now explained to Peter about what happened with him, the vision he had with the angel. And that's why he sent for Peter, because he was instructed to send for Peter. So now Peter now is getting an understanding of why he was sent for. Okay, so this just didn't happen. The angel, the angel told Cornelius to send people to get Peter, and Peter had confirmation from the angel that he needed to go with those people. So now, now, now they are on the same page now in the understanding of what happened, in the context of what is happening. Now in this encounter, Peter was not aware of his bias due to his religious beliefs. As I said, he was under the law. His mindset was under the law. But he did not understand the mind and the plan of God. But now he's starting to get an understanding. It's beginning to unfold. Especially the significance of Christ's death and resurrection. 
even though Peter walked with Jesus, now he's starting to get an understanding of the significance of Christ's death and resurrection. Because when Christ died and resurrected, as I said, and seated on the right hand, the law was done away with. So now he's understanding now that he's under a new covenant. And God has been doing things a different now. Okay? So God had to prepare him and direct him by the Spirit. Is The important thing from this is to understand that Peter did not allow his biases to distract from his purpose. He obeyed God. And obeying God is always a good thing. No matter what the consequences are. Obeying God is always a good thing. Now these scriptures were recorded for our learning and our instruction. So that we can know the mind of God and the plan of God. We all can know the mind of God and the plan of God. But it's revealed by the Spirit through the Scriptures. Anyone who wants to know what God's mind is and his heart is and his plan is can know it. But it takes a little effort on our part. But the Holy Spirit will reveal it to you. But you have to get in the Word and read the Word. Meditate on it. And the Spirit will teach you. Line upon line. Precept upon precept. Now Peter did not know he was biased, as I said, but now he knew. He was steeped in tradition. He was convinced that his views about non-Jews were correct. However, when he was confronted with his error, he acknowledged, he acknowledged his error and he changed. Let's go to verse 34 and I'll show you exactly what Peter said and how he knew now that he and Cornelius were one. Verse 34, Then Peter opened his mouth. That's after Cornelius explained to him. And he said, and this is what Peter is saying, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. Did you hear that? God shows no partiality. That means God doesn't prefer any nation or any race over any, on any other race. He shows no partiality. What is he looking for? He's looking at the heart, as I said. And verse 35, Peter says, In every nation, every nation, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, it doesn't matter. Race, culture, does not matter. Every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. I mean, that is awesome. That is powerful. This is the mind of God. And who are we to dare look at one race as superior than another? When God said there is no partiality. When he said in every nation, anyone who wants, wants him can have him. So we have to be careful about our mind and our attitude to other people of different cultures and races. Because God doesn't think like that and he will not tolerate it. So the question is, what do we do with what we know now? When we are confronted with racial, cultural, political biases, for example, what do we do? And then I say, well, why forgiveness? Why is this message about forgiveness? Well, I spoke about we are one before. I spoke about the love of God. Are we going to let our biases derail God's purpose for us in Christ? Who are we to call what God has sanctified unclean? Because you just read the scriptures there. 
Peter said, of a truth, verse 28, you, you know how unlawful it is for a Jew to come into the house of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Anyone who is Christ is sanctified by the Spirit of God. And when you're sanctified, you're not common, you're not unclean. You are declared righteous, but that righteousness is not yours. That righteousness that you have been declared and called righteous is because of your faith in Jesus Christ. So for a brother or a sister in Christ to be prejudiced or racist against you, they are in error. Because they are looking down at you and calling you unclean or common. Which you are not. Because they didn't sanctify you. The Spirit of God sanctified you. So when they are calling you and they are calling you names. And they are treating you as inferior. They are going against the things of God. And God will judge that type of behavior. He will judge it. What we have to do in our heart is to make sure that we don't have that mindset and get caught up in the drama. And it's very easy to happen. We could get very bitter and angry. But that's not what God wants for His children. Because when you have that mindset, you won't treat your brother right. Because your heart is not pure. And as I said, what's in your heart is going to come out of your mouth. You are going to be exposed. Who are we to call what God sanctified unclean or unfit? Why are we allowing our biases to separate us from our brothers and sisters in Christ? We would say, some of us will say vocally and internally. Vocally, you speak it out. Internally, you say it in your mind and in your heart. I do not want to associate with them because they are filling the blanks. I am black. I don't associate with whites. I am white. I don't associate with blacks. I am from the Caribbean. I'm Trinidadian. I don't associate with Jamaicans. Oh, I'm Trinidad. I, Trinidadian. I don't associate with Puerto Ricans. Oh, I am a Republican. You are a Democrat. We can't hang out together because you love Trump and, and this one loves this one. These are the things that cause separation. But these are the things we cannot allow in our hearts to prevent us from expressing the love of God. Because when you allow these things to permeate your mind and your spirit, you would look at your brother in a way that you ought not to. And subconsciously, you don't even know you are affected by the attitude you have when you take a hard stance in any of these areas. Whether it's racist, whether it's political, or whether it is cultural. People are biased culturally, cultural things, by race and also by political stance. Fill in the blanks. What are we rehearsing? What are we saying in our hearts and in our minds? What are we saying vocally, behind closed doors? What are we saying? Because even though you're behind a closed door, doesn't mean God still hears and He sees because the angels are there. They hear everything that you're saying and they see everything that you're doing. And God has a way of exposing what's hidden. He will expose it. So why forgiveness? So if any of this applies to us, we need to repent and ask the Lord for forgiveness. Peter was ignorant in his bias. 
But when Peter was, when his bias was revealed, he changed. How many, there's some of us who are ignorant in our bias, but then there's some of us who are not ignorant in our bias. We are biased and we know it, but we refuse to change. This is the opportunity to change. Whether you're aware of it or not, it is time to ask for forgiveness. It is time to repent. If we have knowingly hurt anyone by race, because of race, because of political stand, because of cultural things, if we have knowingly hurt someone, we must acknowledge it and we must ask forgiveness. We must acknowledge our biases, reject them and walk in the light. We must do it. We must do it. We are living in a, in a racially and politically charged environment. And this is the time to acknowledge our faults. Seek forgiveness and repent. And turn from our wicked ways. One of the foundational truths is in First John, John chapter 1 verse 9. You don't have to turn there. I'll just quote it to you. First John chapter 1 verse 9. The Bible says, If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But it's contingent if you confess your sin. He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. He's not going to hold your biases against you if you repent and turn away from it. He's not going to hold your, race, your racist attitudes against you if you repent and turn away from it. That's what it's saying here. So we can be free of our biases and prejudices today. All we have to do is repent. All we have to do is, is forgive those who have hurt us and seek forgiveness for those we have knowingly hurt. So I'm going to stop there, but we need to pray. And I want you to reflect on what I'm saying and I want you under your breath or in your, in your heart to ask the Lord to forgive you. Of anyone you might have hurt, of anything you might have done, any biases you might have held or, or, or holding on to. I want you to think about it. And as I pray, ask the Lord to release you from it and forgive you. Acknowledge it. Acknowledge it and, and ask the Lord to forgive you. Father, as we come before you today, I just thank you for Jesus for His blood. And because of it, we can come before You, Lord, confessing our sins, making it known to You, acknowledging where we have been wrong. And Lord, we ask You to forgive us of our sins. Cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Your Word says, as far as the East is from the West, You have removed our transgressions from us. Lord, we want to be free of, of sin. And we ask you to forgive us for those we have hurt. For the racist, any racist attitudes and biases we have whole held on to. In our political stance, any ones that we have hurt and caused separation in the body. Separation relationships because we have taken a hard stand, Lord. Wanting to be right. Want to prove ourselves to be right. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us. And keep us, Lord. Help us to change. Help us to live and walk in the love of God. Help us to walk in a heart of humility. 
so that we can live and walk in the light of God and in the fullness of God and in the love of God. And to remember that our purpose is to reconcile the lost to you, Lord, by our lifestyle. We don't judge people. We don't hold things against them. We are humble and we are honest, O oh God. Help us to walk in truth and walk in the light. Lord, we just thank you that we have confessed our sins and you have forgiven us as you wash us in the blood of Jesus. And we thank you for it. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.